Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Anna Murren and Valerie Kaiko. Anna and Valerie run the Metro Denver Cat Project in Denver, Colorado. Cat, or Cats Around Town, is a collaboration of animal welfare groups working together to make Metro Denver a place where cats are valued and cared for by an engaged community. They work to provide resources for cats that are owned, homeless in shelters or on the streets, and community or feral cats. Anna, the project manager, moved to Denver a year ago from Brooklyn, New York, where she worked in community outreach at the ASPCA. And Valerie is the TNR coordinator who brings five years of experience with high-volume spay-neuter for feral cats. Anna and Valerie, I'd like to welcome you both to the show. Hi. Hello. Maybe, Anna, you could uh, first start out and tell us, you know, how did you get started in animal welfare and a passion for community cats? And then maybe uh, Valerie can chime in on her story. My original background is a little bit weird. I studied opera. Uh, I actually got a master's degree in that, but that's not, uh, I decided in that process that wasn't what I wanted to do. I've always loved animals, but I wasn't sure how to get started. I thought you had to become a vet or study science or something. So after I burned out on grad school, I just decided to go for it. And I got like an entry level position at an animal shelter on Long Island. And I worked there for a while. I was doing like home visits after people adopted animals. And from there, you know, I did adoption events. And then I got a position at the ASPCA where it, I really liked what I was doing there. It was community outreach. So we were going into like underserved neighborhoods in Brooklyn and helping people get free spay neuter for their pets. And that really felt like the right direction for me in terms of what to do in animal welfare. So uh, when I was moving to Denver, I saw this opportunity. They, this project, the Metro Denver Cat Project, was just getting started. And I felt like my experience with community outreach in New York would be something that would work really well for this project. So that's kind of how I got brought into it. And then I, of course, started on the more typical path. I did the pre-vet first. So I, my degree is in biology with minor in chemistry. I have been working at a high volume um, spay and neuter clinic for feral cats for five years. I started there and I realized I didn't really want to go to vet school. I wanted to work with cats because you do see that cats aren't treated the same as dogs and especially in animal welfare, we're a little bit behind. So I decided that I really wanted to concentrate on that. And the feline fix where I work also is in the collaboration effort to raise the value of feral cats especially through this project. So that's how I got started into this. Anna, can you tell me the specific details around what the Metro Denver Cat Project is all about? In Denver, it's a really progressive city for animal welfare. Um, but some of the groups that work on that got together and realized that cats were kind of the area that were getting left behind. So before I even moved to Denver, there was two years of planning that went into this project to have all the major groups in Denver collaborate and work together and try to see if they could create a pilot project 
that could show the way you can impact the community cat situation here. So what what we decided to do was focus on one neighborhood in Denver, and that's the 80219 zip code. We chose it just because there's a lot of uh, a lot of intake at the shelter of cats, a lot of complaints about outdoor cats, and it's also an area that has like uh, fewer resources socioeconomically. We set up our little headquarters right here in this neighborhood, and we work with a lot of the major shelters and animal welfare organizations here. So um, one of them, which is the Dumb Friends League, provides us with free spay neuter. The other shelter partners help us if we ever need to uh, take a, a cat in, um, like a stray cat or kittens, you know, during kitten season. So basically what we do is right now, five days a week, we go out into our little neighborhood. We do community outreach. We go door to door and we just ask everybody in this neighborhood if they have cats, if they see cats outside, if they feed those cats, and then we set up trapping. So every week we will trap at about 10 to 15 different locations. So like people's houses in the neighborhood. Then we take, you know, it's it, that's the traditional TNR aspect where we trap the cats, we take them in for free surgery and we release them. But we also help people with their pet cats. So we don't really discriminate mm -hmm. between, a, it's not just a TNR program. If someone has a pet cat, that they need to get fixed or they need anything else for, we help with that too. And Valerie, do you have anything to add to the program? Yeah, we also um, provide other things too. Um, we do free vaccine clinics to introduce ourselves to the neighborhood. The other thing is we have a food bank specifically for feral cats. And what's great about that food bank is we figured out a way to have people report when they have new cats, because that was one of the biggest issues I always saw with feral cat programs was how do you get people you trap for before to tell you that, hey, I have a new cat? So we started the food bank. People come in once a month and they get food. And we always ask them, we say, hey, do you see any new cats? And it's been really successful so far. Um, I'd say more than half of the people come in mention, yeah, I'm actually seeing a new cat. We go and get it that next week and get it fixed. So that's one of the good things that we also do. And it's something that hopefully more TNR organizations will get into doing too. That also helps with some of the neighbor complaints because mm -hmm. when people sign up for the food bank, we um, go through like proper feeding requirements with mm -hmm. them so that they're not doing things that upset their neighbors when they're feeding the cats. Yeah. One thing that I stress a lot when I'm doing the show is I talk about sort of the toolkit, the toolkit of different programs and resources that we need in order to be successful. Um, in our communities, you know, in helping the needs of the community cats there and the people there that, you know, are, are taking care of the cats. And you just basically listed off the full toolkit that's needed to be able to help in that area. My question to you is how is all of this funded? We have grant funding right now. The, our first year for the pilot project, we were funded by the ASPCA, PetSmart Charities, and a foundation here in Colorado mm -hmm. called the Animal Assistance Foundation. And that's where we get all of our funding. Uh, now this year, it's primarily the Animal Assistance Foundation and PetSmart Charities. Mm -hmm. This project though is not a 501c3. You're not your own separate 
nonprofit entity? Is it's the collaborative partners get the funding through the different roles, or are you your own five hundred one c three? So for the first year, it's a it's the structure is a little complicated because we wanted to avoid uh, having to go through that whole process to set up our own five hundred one c three. So we did a lot of it through the Animal Assistance Foundation. That was a five hundred one c three for the first year. And we moved in to be under the umbrella of a different foundation called Denver Animal Foundation mm -hmm. uh, for this year. And we're still kind of in that process of figuring out exactly where we want to be. I think eventually we will move into our own 501c3. And there is a foundation that will assist with funding and helping you create those documents so that then it doesn't cost anything for your organization to do that. It does take time. But there is a foundation out there that is extremely helpful in putting that information together. It's the Virginia Mullen Foundation. We'll make sure we have that information in our show notes also. I love collaborative efforts. I think collaboration is fantastic and it's wonderful. Um, has this collaborative effort been successful over the last couple of years? You know, What have been the ups and what have been the downs? It's been really successful. I mean, it's mm -hmm. been like the only way we're able to do what we've been doing. I think it's hard at first to get different groups to want to work together just because everybody has their own way of doing things and they have their ideal in mind of what the right way is. But slowly but surely over time, we have, we've, I think we've developed really, really strong relationships with our partners and that's one of the things we're most excited about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the other thing that helps is the people who started this project had already created this Metro Denver cat thing. And before it was just trying to get a start of the collaboration together. So they would have like quarterly meetings and everything like that. And that definitely helped. And a lot of the TNR organizations that are still separate from us, they're starting to get closer to our program too, because they see how successful it is and they want to be a part of it. And so I think what really kind of helped in the beginning is that Instead of just going into this and starting, we started kind of slow and got everybody together and kept talking about all this. And eventually, you know, everyone was like, okay, I'm on board. We're talking about this. I'm seeing it. And it's great. So you can't just jump in and go and try to get a collaborative effort together as soon as possible. You kind of have to, it's very slow. I say, I mean, gosh, they were starting like at least three years before this, just trying to get everybody together and on the same page. And we still hit some bumps, but so far it's getting better and better every day. I think a lot of what we do is like try to create a benefit for yep. the different groups that we're working with. One thing that I can think about is during kitten season, we started kind of a group email where we got together with all the shelters in the area that are getting intakes of kittens. And every week I check in with everybody mm -hmm. just to see what the numbers are like and who can take more kittens, who's overwhelmed. We bring a lot of kittens to the shelter just through our trapping. So it's good to know how to kind of spread that out between the different groups. And that helps everybody. So no, no one shelter's getting overwhelmed, that yeah. kind of thing. So you're doing a census taking. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. The Community Cats podcast is now getting over 3,000 downloads a month. The word is spreading, and we have a fast-growing listener support base. Would your business want to be a sponsor of the show and help us to continue our programs? To find out more details, please go to www.communitycatspodcast.com slash sponsor. <coughs> During the month of April, it's Kitten Month. Many of our shows will focus on kittens and kitten programs and how to help all of those kittens that we're going to see this summer. 
please check out the shows. What's it like for community cats in Denver? It's actually really good. Um, I think there's a big misconception that people don't generally like feral cats, but most of the calls I get, because I answer the call log, I'd say more than half of those calls are people just looking for resources. They've always fed community cats. They've just been kind of unsure of what to do. And I would say more than half, it's positive. There are a few calls where people are like, hey, I don't really want these cats here. But I'd say in Colorado, I, I don't have to try very hard to convince people. Most people here are very animal welfare conscientious, especially in terms of dogs. And cats is definitely getting better. Especially in our neighborhood, we don't give the option of removal. Um, and I think that helps tremendously in our program because we always tell them, hey, we don't do removal, but guess what? We'll come, we'll get these cats fixed for free. You don't have to do anything. And so that's definitely helped in making people respect the community cats as a whole. And also there's been a lot of resources for community cats and it's just now we're getting people more connected. So it's getting even better. Yeah, we're really lucky that we have completely mm -hmm. free spay neuter and yep. vaccines for cat all cats which i know is not something that people have in every area that being said there are a lot of cats outside so in our one little zip code in the past year um we have worked with like over 1500 cats which <laughs> and that's you know us operating just five days a week we have one full-time person and two part-time people. So there's a lot of cats. It's, mm -hmm. It feels like a lot of cats are mm -hmm. here. But like Valerie was saying, there are a lot of resources. It's just a matter of getting people connected to them, which they haven't been so much in the past. And that's kind of what we're working on. What's the population size of the 80219 zip code? I want to say there's like 7,000 households. Mm -hmm. It's like 20,000 20, or so. I'm, yeah, I, I'm a, for those of you who know me and listen to me, I'm a numbers wonk. And so I'm always trying to find, <laughs> you know, relationships and ratios and, you know, population figures and relating your median income to those population figures. So I'm always scratching on a piece of paper trying to work out numbers and be able to say, well, if you do this for the next three to five years, then you're going to go there. So what are your measures of success. I know we all look at intake numbers for shelters, but you know, I don't feel like that's really a full representation of what life is like for community cats in your target area. So yeah. how do you measure success? That's one question that we're still answering. So mm -hmm. uh, when I came on board this project, they had set up a goal to help her get spay neuter for a thousand cats in 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to double that. So that feels, that feels like success, but obviously, yeah, we don't know what the total population of cats is. And we get asked that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know right now, I wish we had a way of like doing mm -hmm. a census on outdoor cats. We've been playing around with a lot of ideas mm -hmm. and talked to a lot of people who are trying to come up with models. I don't know if anybody has a really accurate way of counting someone had the idea that we should, you know, walk through the neighborhood and look for the cats. And we tried that and we saw like one cat on a <laughs> street that we knew that like a colony of 20 cats lived on. So I was like, I don't think this is the best way. I'm not a totally science minded person, but mm -hmm. if someone can come up with a formula, I would love to have it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, uh, there is what I call tribal knowledge, which is, you know, once you get to know your area and you get to know your colonies and you're actually mapping those colonies out, you're going to get 
somewhat of a flow and a sense in a, a generalization. I, I mean, I've done it with quite a few different communities and been able to sort of map out some generalizations. And usually if the situation worked out in that way, the successes were probably greater than I anticipated. So, you know, if you're talking about a population area of 20 to 30,000, I think that if you do two to 4,000 cats in a couple of years, you're going to see dramatic, dramatic decreases. Yeah. And we're hoping, I mean, this will, we're coming into our second kitten season here. We're hoping we see a difference in the areas we've been working really intensely in. That oh. will tell us a lot. You will, because you always see an uptick in the beginning. So when you first start out in your targeted project, don't get worried if in the first three to six months you see an uptick because you're going into that community, you're introducing yourself, you're introducing the resources, the options, the availability. So you're going to see an uptick, which as uh, many people are like, but I don't want the uptick. Well, you kind of got to weather the storm a little bit and create extra adoption transfer partners, we call them in the Northeast. So we you know, get a group of eight different organizations that will take your overflow and transfer out to but then after that six month period, you'll start seeing drops and you're obviously then you're going to start seeing some dramatic drops in your kitten population. And then you're going to start seeing the drops in the adult cat population. Yes. And that will be exciting. I know that probably the intake numbers at our shelter partners were higher just because we were bringing them hundreds of cats over the last yep. year, which cats that would have just stayed in the in our neighborhood, just living outside that kind of thing, um, the kittens. And some people would want you to ask, and I think you're asking those questions when you're doing the census. And I always reference, you know, the room at the inn philosophy, which is, you know, I bring cats in and, and kittens in when there's room at the inn. And so using your census temperature taking is probably a way for you to say, oh, there's room at the inn here, but there's no room or this inn can figure it out better than this inn or, you know, whatever. And that goes back into that communication standpoint. You know, it's we're all in this together and working together. One last point I just want to make sure that we get out there is the importance of being in the community. And you've actually got a physical location in the community to be in touch with. Why did you decide it was really important to spend those resources on actually having a physical place? First, there's the practicality of it. It's where our vehicles are. It's where the cats can stay overnight before and after surgery. And second, it's building up the trust in our neighborhood. That has been super important. People have started to recognize us. We're not affiliated with a shelter or like a city government type of situation. So which some people are a little bit wary of. We're independent, so people start to see us, they trust us, they know where they can come if they have questions. We have people walking in all the time. It's kind of set up like a retail facility where people are welcome to walk in and ask questions all the time, and they do that a lot. It's about trust. And in conjunction with the physical location, we've also hired a couple new people, mm -hmm. but three of our employees live in this neighborhood. Yeah. And that's been really, really important because they know what's going on. They know people. Um, it's just getting in that community way more. And a big part of that is those three people also speak Spanish. There's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, Spanish speakers in our neighborhood. And without them, we would just be dead in the water pretty much. So. Yeah. yeah, we run into that problem quite a bit in the Boston area, too. It's always trying to find people who can speak Spanish in our area. So if people are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing and the project, um, how would they find you? I would definitely say check out our website. It's www.denvercats.org. 
it's got a lot of information about what we do. There's a little video and, mm-hmm. and people can also contact us through the website. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? We want to encourage people mm-hmm. in other areas that it's something that probably needs to happen yep. in a lot of different areas. I mean, I know there's community cats all across the country and setting up a project like this, like Valerie was saying, it does mm-hmm. take some background work before you hit the ground and actually start helping the cats. But mm-hmm. I think it's really doable. Yeah, I'm going to throw a really interesting thought and idea sort of for the next generation for community cats, which is we've spent a lot of time and effort over the last 10, 15 years developing the Humane Alliance high volume spay neuter clinic model. And we've got that basically in a package. It's ready to be franchised, all that kind of stuff. What if we take something like this and try and, and model it and package it for every large city across the country? Yeah, I mean, that was one of our goals. It's like if we can create this pilot that's successful, like duplicating it first, I mean, we want to duplicate it across the city of Denver because the neighborhood we're in is not the only one with community cats. So that was like the main idea of it. If if we can be successful here, then we can duplicate across the city and then who knows where else it can go. And we are actually expanding this year also. That's why we hired new people. So we are starting to get out of this target area and go to areas near it. There are a lot of organizations over here that want us to move to like different zip codes right away. But one of the important things that we emphasize is you can't just move to this zip code and this zip code. They need to be near each other. So we're moving to the two adjacent zip codes, which is 80204 and 80223. And so that's another important thing that hopefully will make it successful for everyone. And we can just spread in a mm-hmm. logical way. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. You've got your center and you're growing from the center. Yeah, exactly. Well, Anna and Valerie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. Want to learn more about grants? Register for Grants 101, a Community Cats podcast webinar on March 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Learn the ins and outs of writing grants, how to track them, and how to do follow-up reports. This is a perfect educational opportunity for a small organization looking to develop a strategic grant writing program as a fundraiser. Go to communitycatspodcast.com and click the link on the homepage to register. After registering, you'll receive a confirmation email containing information about joining the webinar. That's Grants 101, a Community Cats podcast webinar on March 30th at 2 p.m. Ah!